Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mythos Unit with Listen to These Nerds. My name is Chris, and I will be running the game as always tonight. Starting at the top of the channel and going downwards, we have for our players... Uh, hello, my name is Harry, and I'll be playing Franklin Blackmore. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'll be playing Quincy Adams. Hi, I'm John, I'll be playing Tony. And I'm Jonathan, and I'll be playing Adam Lavender. Okay, so... Last time we left off, I believe you guys were taking care of some last-minute unfinished business before the blackout was to occur in the city of London. So, uh, Quincy, you left your ward with a friend of yours who may be of uh, dubious reliability, but it's better than, you know, having him in the city during a blackout and mass myth attacks, so that's important. Yeah, Disco Pete's got it. Yeah, he's got it on lock. It's fine. And uh, Franklin had a very um, emotional uh, meeting with the spirit who has been his packed user up until now. Uh, Adam also had uh, some good moments with Sophie, the vampire who's been staying at his place. And Tony did some work and some research and finally got that uh, capture device built for the smiley face killer so there's that and after spending some time uh just getting some last minute preparations in place you guys uh finally had everything sorted it looks like and then almost as if on cue all of the lights in the precinct went out so uh as if simultaneously as almost as soon as all the lights in london go out you can hear the sounds of shouts and screams and sort of noises off in the distance like the shattering of glass the crumpling of metal um and yeah it sounds as though there is already a bit of chaos brewing in the city of london all right well, well that was quick <laughs> well i mean when every car in the city probably stops working at the same time and immediately coasts into a building. Chances are, yeah, people are going to be a little uppity. Um, yeah, you guys have noticed that the streets have been mostly empty up until this point. Like, there aren't too many people out and about even before this blackout. Like, most people are taking this announcement pretty seriously, but a few of them, uh, yeah, a few of them don't seem to, like, they seem to be above that sort of stuff because, so I mean, what So what you're saying is that people would be, have been warned about dangerous situations of going out, and yes. they've decided to not follow that at the risk of their own life. Joey, wow. stop! You're dating the recording! Are we, though? Are we really? <laughs> Look, it's when anywhere is this actually like, gonna end? It'll be uh, it could have been any like, time. Yeah, like, any time after February 2020 to, like, March 2021. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a, pretty optimistic, Harry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Look, uh... optimism's all I got, man. Don't take this from me. All right, well, uh, while we uh, let uh, Harry remain in Dream World, uh, the rest of us have some problems to take care of. So, yeah, it sounds like there is some chaos going on in London as uh, Hightower immediately rounds about on horseback as he delegates to the other constables and other officers of Scotland Yard. All right, I'm going to need you all to organize into units and disperse among the streets of London. If there are any civilians who need assistance, your job is to protect them and ensure their safety for the next hour. If you are to encounter any dangerous myths, engage with caution. Do, uh, if it is believed that they are ranked three or higher, disengage and retreat as soon as possible. And uh, at this, he looks to you guys. Mythos unit! Uh, yeah? Um, God, God, James, all you really need now is a sword, don't you? <laughs> I'm getting one on order. It's going to look very awesome, but until then, I need you all to uh, to get out there and show us what it is that you can do. All right. Let's get to work, gentlemen. All right. The city of London is depending on you, gentlemen. Move out! And so with that, uh, all four of you uh, prepare yourselves. And yeah, it sounds as though there is a major commotion going on from, like, the center of London proper. But looking over on in another sort of commercial part, there seems to be like uh, flashes of fire uh, coming up from the streets as well. Uh, there's illegal fireworks once again. Mm. Uh, probably not. Well, our goal should be dealing with the smiley face killer. Yes. Mm. Well, so the problem we, is we, we don't really know where they are. Well, do we have? Did we have any idea of who they'd be targeting next? 
The only thing that we know is that there's a distinct chance that whatever is involving uh, the dryad that's been mind controlled is going to happen tonight. So basically, we're either waiting to find a dryad or waiting for the dryad to find us. Beyond that, I don't think we had any clues about what the smiley face killer's next target was going to be. Yeah. Um, well, if he wants to make it public again, he's going to need another public place. What? So, uh, based on the last killing that was out in the middle of what was it? Where where was that again? The Irish hub. hub. <laughs> mm, sorry, I mean like the the public one where the lady got strung up. Um, in terms of location, like that was fairly close to like some major areas and going ons and stuff like mm, that. So okay, so. Yeah, I'm going to stick around that type of area then. Um, okay. Well, you are hearing some major commotions come up from a fairly commercialized residential area. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me for us to just run off blindly in every direction, right? Mm. No. I mean, I'm thinking um, we'll get Tony's messenger bird to check in with Hespero. Like, we'll provide assistance where we can and just keep in as constant communication with Mythtown and Hespero to see if, like, they see anything. Yeah, well, I'm definitely not going to walk by anyone in trouble and be like, whatever, deal with it yourself, right? Like, but I definitely think we should at be pragmatic about this. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. So Quincy, um, Quincy's going to start walking towards the, the populated town square okay. area. And as you do so, suddenly you guys hear a boom and almost like a rattling noise as, as all of the windows in all of their nearby frames of the nearby buildings just start to rattle simultaneously as if there was like a small earthquake. Uh, seismic sense? What? Uh... Um, yeah, there is um, a number of blocks away in a sort of like a residential area. There is something so huge and so heavy that as it's taking footfalls, you can feel it from here, Quincy. Can I see it from here if it's that uh, big? Yes, it is a massive figure, some 60 to 65 feet in height. And well, it is, uh... yeah, it is built like Tony, but proportionate to its height. Okay. Uh... No, we're fighting a kaiju, basically. Oh, okay. So I guess we would have seen this when we walked outside. Um, um, you can see, like, dimly, uh, yeah, maybe there is a, like, between, you don't really have a clear view of that residential area from here, but, yeah, like, another footfall occurs, and, yeah, you can just see that this thing, Quincy, is just, it's gearing up to go on sort of, like, a stampede, almost. Okay. Um, can, uh, can Tony see this? Um... At the moment, uh, even uh, the buildings are too tall that they are obscuring it from where you guys are. Like, there isn't any main street nearby that you can look down and see this thing. You'll well, have you to hear it, basically. Oh, absolutely, yes. Quincy, status report. What the hell is that thing? Um, quite large. It's also it is human shaped, but as I said incredibly densely built as well, as well as being tall. Okay. Alright, well I guess we send a report off to Hespero and then move in to either try and corral this thing or at least keep it from causing more damage. <laughs> okay, and as you are talking, you guys also hear some faint noises off from the same direction as this thing. Sort of like a series of <laughs> like bird-like calls hmm okay all right I, I mean tony's already heading in that direction at, at this point uh-huh yep. so the four of you are running down the street getting ready to see whatever it is that these things are and eventually uh you turn the corner into a large sort of town square uh where a number of like residences are looking out at this uh, you know, this sort of open area. There's a fountain in the middle of the square as well as, um, yeah, like a number of food stalls and some trucks and things like that that have completely shut down. Some cars that are now inactive as well as some people like cowering uh, behind these vehicles and stuff as a, even in the darkness, you can see this enormous blackened figure just 
boom, boom, like uh, just getting ready to, uh, like, you can tell that this thing is already angry as it lets out a guttural, deafening roar, just this, and raking its hand along a, like, the side of a building, and there is the sound of shattering glass and stone as, basically, it is like, it is ripping its hand through concrete and glass as easily as a person would through mud. Seems odd we didn't notice this before. Well, uh, I guess we should go deal with that. Mm. And it's as you say this that you see that there are other shapes uh, kind of, yeah, wheeling about it as well. Sort, Yeah, the sort of like swooping diving things that are actually like they're going down at some of the cars and you can hear screams and stuff. And it's as um, a couple of officers come up beside all of you that they hold up their lanterns to cast the plaza into a bit of relief. And you see that the figure that the first off, you see the massive figure, of course, but now you can actually make out details. And if anybody has like dark vision or anything similar, and I will say that between the senses that you use, like your tremor sense, for example, uh, Quincy, you're able to make out enough details that you realize what this thing is. It is a massive figure, as I said, 60 feet tall, but it's clad only in like this stained leather loincloth. Its face is hideous with a tiny set of beady black eyes and this wrinkled, lumpy face with a bulbous nose, misshapen teeth sticking out of this massive underbite. It's got long, stringy black hair and its legs and its arms are caked in this horrendous mixture of like dried soil, blood, and other substances. And the smell about it is absolutely foul. Just this overpowering rank stench of soil and rotting food and compost. This is a species of giant known as a hill giant. Different from the woman who you met back in the myth enclave uh yeah this is yeah it is more bestial not nearly as intelligent slightly less dangerous but still um yeah this is a class three myth uh bordering on class four okay and, yeah as you watch um you guys can also see the other figures that are swooping down and around the people on the that are just cowering on the ground they're uh, there are three of them all together, sort of like these. They're humanoid, but they are bird-like. In place of arms, they have wide pairs of feathered wings and double-jointed legs like a bird with enormous clawed talons, uh, the claws as sharp as any sort of blade. And, so harpies. Yeah, these are harpies. And as they their heads snap to turn to the sources of light and all of you, their features are twisted and malformed, sort of like pinched forward, like somebody was trying to mold uh, the head of a bird, but only had like a person's face to work with. So like it, it they are hideous looking with maws filled with razor sharp teeth. And as they turn and look at all of you and let out these shrieks of delight as they realize they have new prey, this is where we are all going to roll for initiative. Okay. So, uh, everybody, uh, yeah, roll me some dice and tell me what you get, please. Um, and the initiative is just, uh, dex, right? Um, sense. Sense. Well, bad luck. I got a big ol' six. Eighteen. I'm just gonna type mine in. Uh, Fourteen. So, Tony got fourteen, Jonathan got six. Uh, Joey, you got 12, and Harry, what did you get? Uh, 18. Thank you, okay. Now these guys are going to roll, and all right, so, uh, okay, so that's that taken care of now, and okay, excellent, so that is all taken care of, so to start us off, Franklin, you have the order of things. Harry? Sorry, I was muted. Ah. So right. Franklin is going to size up the situation and realize mm -hmm. almost immediately that we need to get this thing out of the city. And he just turns back to the rest of you and says, which one of you is the fastest? Uh, that would be me, I think. 
All right, Lavender. Unfortunately, we're going to have to do a little game of, uh, well... Cat and mouse? Yes. <laughs> On it. Uh, and with that... Uh, wait, nope. quick question before before we start enacting a plan to, to get out of the city. Like, how far are we going to have to go to get it out of the city? Like, is, are we miles from, from, like, the edge of the city? Uh, Where, where's the harbor from here? Um... Or was... the outskirts? Um, I will say that the harbor is some distance away. The outskirts are further, but the River Thames is pretty close. I mean, if this thing's 60 feet tall, I don't think the River Thames is going to hold it. Hmm. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, we're going to cause more damage if from it chasing us rather than just sitting in one location and fighting it here. Very good point. All right. So then our strategy comes to detain. Everybody spread out around it and start hitting it with everything you've got. Do we... Hmm. Without the Lester, I think a lot of us don't have any sort of, like, whatchamacallit, uh, like, mobility-limiting things. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I can paralyze it, but I have to get up beside it. I'm in the same boat. I have my stunning, uh, my Wraith Touch, but that requires me to get very close to this thing. Hmm. I, I could try and use my body puppeting ability, but I don't know if it'll work on something that big. Well, I mean, if we could get uh, Lavender to move the thing out and be careful about it, that might work. I don't think there's any streets wide enough that this is going to there's going to be any degree of carefulness. Mm. I think the I think the real question is where the hell does this thing come from? Yes. Did, did it just like did it just apparate out of, out of thin air? Like that is an do- excellent question. Because I'm thinking if. Like, if our job, if we're just trying to try and keep it in this block so that it doesn't, you know, wreck up the place, it might be prominent for Lavender to drag somebody up so that we can continuously shadow of the Colossus it. Uh, either way, Franklin, like, while I was formulating the plan, Franklin is seeing the group of harpies sort of, like, you know, bunched up. Are the harpies yeah. kind of, like, congregated in a big group? Not really. They're kind of spread out. Uh, one of them is close to you. The other two are kind of on the other side of the plaza, and their attention seems to be on a couple of civilians. Um, you see one of them is kind of watching this dude that seems to be kind of younger, and he's still holding his cell phone up, trying to get it to work and presumably like make a video recording of this thing. Well... Uh, Darwin has selected that he shall not yep. pass on his genes, so I, <laughs> I, I don't feel like any of us are, are in a place to, to, to interfere with the, the natural, like, law of natural selection. Alright, so then, better question is, how, uh, like, how ex- far apart are they exactly, is kind of my question. Um, they're a good distance apart, like, maybe about, uh, because they're on about opposite sides of the plaza, so... Like, um, you could definitely get, like, you could definitely make range attacks from here against one of them, but for the other two, you might have to move a little bit before being able to engage with them in combat. Okay, well, say if I had the ability to, I don't know, cast a X-foot sphere, where X being a number that is divisible by five, is there a point Uh... that I could theoretically hit, like, a majority of them, or at least, like, uh, like, a large amount of them? If you were to use a ranged attack at rank 7 uh, with, you know, uh, X being 10 feet per rank, then yes, you could definitely hit one uh, one of them from that's a distance away. Okay, so 70 feet, basically, is what you're saying is between the two groups. About, yeah, uh, roughly around there. So yeah, you could hit the ones that are going after the other people with ranged attacks. All right, well, um... So Franklin realizes that he can't quite hit both of them at once. So he is going to um, call up his flame sword. So at the very least, he's like uh, an obvious target. Yep. And then he's going to try and hit the two harpies that are the group of harpies that is harassing the other people with an eruption sphere. Okay, then. Uh, Yeah. So I believe that if you're making that area attack, you are, um, I believe it's the harpies who have to roll a reflex saving throw to try and avoid damage. Uh, that is correct. Okay. Um, so they are making their reflex save. Okay, so it's a blast power, so I still roll to hit, correct? Um, because it's an area ability, you are no longer rolling to hit. You're affecting the entire area around them. And, uh, yeah, they are rolling to try and avoid the attack. Okay, so, uh, DC is 12. Okay, so, uh, DC... 
12. Is this only a rank two ability that you? Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah, it is not a very large sphere then. Okay. Well, um, it could have, things can be low rank, but have extra ranks of AOE, can't they? Uh, uh yeah. Um, that is possible if you were to uh, put some feet into it. It's entirely up I to mean, you. I mean, it's still a, what, 20 foot large sphere? This thing's big. Yeah. Um, like, the problem with a rank 7 is that that's 70 feet across, uh -huh. which is about the length of a highway in all uh, directions. Yeah, no, you, you can you can choose to purposely lower that uh, the the area, I think. That's, yes. But it, it unless also, it says full power only. It is not full power only. You can adjust the area of it, but keep in mind that the lower the area, the lower the damage. Yeah. So, I will... And also, the range that you can throw this sphere and have it like go to a point away from you is 10 feet per rank so a 20 foot sphere uh, like a sphere that's has a, a 20 foot diameter sorry. so i can throw it 20 feet 20 feet away from me and it has a range yep. of and it has a radius of 10 feet yes but um, I will say that due to the size of the plaza, if you had a sphere with a diameter of 70 feet, if you were to throw it at both the harpies, you would not have to worry about hitting any other targets. Like, it would just go off in midair, basically, and just focus on the two of them. Hmm. Well, I don't have the points to have level 7 of those, so it'll just hmm. be the... It'll basically just be me setting them on fire so that they deal with something other than the very dumb uh, person that's trying to catch their attention. Okay, I will say that uh, due to their reflex save and the rank of your ability and the lower DC, they were able to make their reflex save. So seeing this enormous sphere of fire hurtling towards them that then detonates, they immediately swoop out of the way. Uh, they're uh, insane evasive abilities causing them to take no damage, but they notice you, Franklin, and they see that you are being, you know, a person who can set things on fire, such as their very non-fireproof feathers uh yeah they are definitely recognizing you as the superior threat at the moment okay and uh yeah then it is going to go to tony okay um tony is going to move in such a way that he is between the rest of the party and the um and the harpies and okay. throw down his forge sure um and he's gonna t say uh, everyone else needs to get get back in a way. Um, I've got a, a a slightly more concentrated version of, of what Blackmore just did. Uh, that's probably going to be a lot harder for them to get away from. But you okay. need to get out of the area. Uh, luckily, I took flame immunity, so as long as this is fire damage, I'm not going anywhere. Ah, good. You are also uh, uh, immune to fire. Very good. Yes. It is time for team explosion. The two yeah. officers uh, who brought the lamps and kind of like are concentrating them on this whole area. Um, yeah, they are most definitely not fireproof. So they cast each other worried looks before hurrying back even farther than before and taking up a defensive position behind a car. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Tony, you do what you're going to do. Uh, I just I, I, I can't actually do it. It's a two step process. Oh, so the, you have to, do it. have to be out. Um, yeah. I, 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 it is um, changing the. Uh, the area within, uh, I think it's 20 feet, mm. uh, uh, into an extremely hot area, uh, not unlike a desert. Okay. Well, um, all right. So, uh, yeah, immediately like this sweltering heat comes over the area and like even, uh, yeah, all of you can feel it even from a distance. Just, it feels like it is just the middle of a day in July right now. Uh, so you can barely imagine what it's like to be within 20 feet of this thing. It must be overpowering. So uh, as you all watch sweat beating on your brow, the giant that's ahead of all of you uh, begins taking some steps forward and actually rears back with one massive dirt caked hand and with a bellow punches the ground as hard as possible. And all of you must make either a strength check or a dexterity check, meaning roll 2d10 and add whichever is higher between your strength score or your dexterity score. Okay. Uh, that is a seven altogether. Okay. Uh, 15 for me. Okay. 
Um, that's, uh... I got a 14. Uh, 16. Okay, so, um... So, Adam and Tony, the two of you are able to stand your ground. Uh, Tony, you just... Uh, dig in your heels and just brace yourself while Adam, you just uh, yeah, basically just keep your balance as best you can but Franklin, Quincy, the two of you from the sheer shockwave of what happens, like it feels like an earthquake is going off beneath your feet and the two of you just go tail over tea kettle and are prone on the ground as a result of that uh, trip attack and then it is going to go to Quincy's turn. Okay. Uh, Quincy's gonna get up and, uh... Mm-hmm. Alright. Um... Hmm. There's not a lot I can do to something that's huge. Hmm. Um... Yeah, I don't really... I'm used to, I'm supposed to be design, kind of designed to fight small... Or human-ish sized things. Yep. Um... Uh, is there a fire hydrant nearby? Yes, there absolutely is. Okay, I'm gonna go back into the uh, into Scotland Yard, and uh, I'll be back next round. Okay, so you're gonna just take a turn to just make go back and make some quick preparations. I'm gonna go grab something out of Scotland Yard and then come back. Okay, I will say that with the short, like with the distance you guys have traveled, going to Scotland Yard and coming back, there would not be enough. How time far? To how how far did we go? Um, I thought thought this was pretty close. uh, It's relatively close in terms of the city, but you guys still traveled like a couple of blocks. Is it? Okay. uh, I'm going to roll luck control and see if there's a bicycle. Okay. That is a 17. Uh, Yeah. Um, You actually see that there is a bicycle nearby, and uh, whoever set it up there presumably had a lot of trust in it because there isn't even a bicycle lock on it. Alright, I will steal that bike. Okay. Uh, so, so Quincy gets on the bike and then turns yep. back to be right back, and we'll bike off. Yeah, and as, before you guys can say anything, there's just a ding ding and uh, Quincy begins pedaling away. Yep. And then, after Quincy leaves, uh, there is going to be the turn for the Harpies. So immediately as you guys wheel back you see that the harpies are diving down at all of you uh one of them going after you franklin uh on the ground and they are gonna make a melee attack against you with advantage uh, because you're a pro uh chris i yes. i posted the rules for uh the extreme heat environment in yes. the uh in the chat so i think okay. the, the harpies need to make a save first Oh, okay, yes. Uh, one of them will do that, in fact. So, let's see here. Okay. Um, all right. So, the harpy immediately dives down into the sweltering heat conditions. And Franklin, uh, despite the fact that it visibly looks immediately exhausted as a result of doing so, it is still raking down at you with its claws as it is going to make a uh, melee attack roll. So... One moment, please. All right, and uh, just a little check. Your defense score total, uh, you have a plus two to your defense, right? Yes. Okay, uh, that... Actually, is uh, is Blackmore standing next to Tony? I um, imagine I'm still probably pretty close because I didn't really move out of the way when you planted your forge down. I'll say yes. All right, then I'm going to use interpose. Okay, uh, go ahead and do that. Haha, <laughs> so... joke's on you. I just lured you into the like position of my friend's hammer. So, um, yeah, before the harpy can dive down at you, Franklin, suddenly there is a thud and a massive figure is directly in front of you as Tony, the harpy, is streaking downwards at your chest, claws bared and glinting in the lantern lights. So, uh, and I believe for your defense, it is, uh, you have a plus four to defense? Uh, yes. Okay, so that is a hit and the harpy is gonna roll for some damage. Okay, but it rolled pretty lousy. Uh, and so, Tony, you almost dismissively, like, swat it aside with your gloved hand, and the harpy just kind of goes spinning off a little bit, some feathers trailing behind it without... And meanwhile, the other two harpies, uh, one of them is going to dive down for Adam, uh, streaking over to him and uh, going, like, just dive-bombing downwards at him. So, Uh-oh. Uh-huh. 
Thankfully, this attack is not made with advantage, and, um, but it does hit, unfortunately, so, okay. So, uh, Adam, the claws immediately rake into you and up into your arms as it just locks into you, and I am going to also ask you to make a, a roll 2d10 and add your strength modifier to the result. Ah, okay. Uh, that's a flat 10. Okay, so uh, not only do the claws sink into your arms, and it feels like somebody has a pair of gloves made of steak knives and is just grappling you around your upper arms, but also suddenly you feel that uh, the harpy um, is basically it is grappling you and as you watch there is a sick and hideous grin stretching from ear to ear as it is rapidly beginning to flap its wings and you immediately know that that cannot be good ah so, yeah. this and harpy has made a terrible terrible mistake is but that okay. right <laughs> well we'll see well uh so yeah you are dealt eight points of damage as a result of that attack and also, looking over at the other side of the plaza, the one that was almost attacked by Franklin is going to resume its attacks against presumably some civilians, and as it dives down, you suddenly hear a scream of pain, and you see the rapid fl uh, flapping of wings as presumably this harpy has done something similar to somebody nearby behind a car on the opposite side of the plaza. Mm -hmm. So then it's going to go to your turn, Adam. Okay. So this thing is latched onto me. It's like yes. above me, basically. Pretty much. But it All right. is, yes. I need to get rid of this thing fast. Uh, so the plaza is in a little bit of general chaos, right? Absolutely it is. Would it be reasonable to say that, you know, this is uh, London, maybe part of the old town. There are, these buildings are brick. They're pretty sturdy, right? Oh, Despite absolutely. the fact that some of them are being torn apart. So this if Adam is, yeah. looks around real quick, uh, he might see an, an open door uh, with a, a brick frame, a real, real sturdy looking door frame. Oh yeah, yeah. This okay. uh, th this building is uh, basically, it feels like it is part of the foundation of London itself, a city that has stood the test of time for centuries. So the harpy is trying to lift me. Can I still yes. move while it's attached to me? Um, I will say that um, if you want to move, uh, you can do so, but you have reduced movement speed. Uh, how, how much reduced? Um, I would say that you can move up to half your normal movement speed. Right, so say if I had five ranks in my super speed ability and could normally move at 250 miles an hour, I can now only move 125 miles an hour, I'm going to point myself in the direction of the open doorway, which I'm guessing is tall enough for Adam to enter, but not quite tall enough for the harpy and run at near full speed towards it. Jonathan, if you could see me, you would have no idea how much I am grinning right now. So, um, all right. So I hope I... that the clothes you got don't need to be laundered. <laughs> They're probably not going to be able to use them again. I didn't exactly wear my Sunday best for tonight. Mm. Um, I will say, um, just make me a general sort of melee attack check just oh, to see, yeah, if you're able to pull this off. Well, I'm, I'm quite good at unarmed attack. Um, and I rolled pretty well. Uh, that's a 21. Okay, then. Um, all right. Uh, so how many ranks in speed did you have? Five? Uh, yes. Okay, I will say that that is the rank of this attack. So... Uh, roll me, uh, 3d6, please. Okay. <clears throat> uh, that is, uh, sorry, 10 damage. Or 10, yeah. Okay, excellent. So, um, you, uh, have this harpy locked onto you, and you just get this amazing idea, and so before it can react, you streak towards this building, uh, feeling this thing weighing you down, but... Surprisingly, the harpy, despite its strength, doesn't seem to be very heavy. It's a bird, so it kind of makes sense that it would have hollow bones or something to that effect. And hmm. so, you run at full speed into the building, uh, the bird screeching behind you as you run uh, into the building, and you just hear this sickening, like, it's halfway between a thud and a crack, 
as basically you cause this thing to plow into a solid brick doorframe at 125 miles an hour. And yeah, this thing immediately lets go of your arms and you can feel the claws like pull at your skin and you're pretty sure your upper arms are bleeding not too, like, pretty badly, you're guessing, but at the same time, spinning around, you can see that this thing has flopped to the ground outside, and it is just, like, just, uh, uh, it is struggling to get up. It looks, well, basically like a bird that has flown into a window at a speed it probably shouldn't have been going, and it is struggling to regain itself, and you're pretty sure that, like, its face is probably broken. I'm surprised it's in one piece. Mm. Imagine hitting a brick wall at over 100 miles an hour and not being paced. Well, well you see, it's all those hollow bones, you see. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're weaker, and therefore bones. it's less damaging. Mm. No, no, it's crumple zones, Joey. Crumple zones. Mm. <laughs> well, also, it's like, uh, it's like its like entire body was a car crash. Going into a car commercial. <laughs> mm. Well then, uh, but yes, it is a myth, I will say that. So, you know, they're built of sturdy stuff. And naturally tough, yes. Uh-huh. And it's as uh, this rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's as this round ends that all of you begin to hear something off in the distance, sort of like this strange sort of buzzing noise, like um, like a bunch of insects almost, but like it would have to be either a ton of them to make a noise of this caliber, just this sort of or think, like a would... swarm of locusts kind of deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, almost exactly like a swarm of locusts, and from the sounds of things, it's getting louder, but you can't see anything just yet. And then, Franklin, it is going to go back to you. Alright, so there is the harpy that is in front of me that is interposed by Tony. Yes. And then the harpy on the other side of the plaza that has, uh, grabbed some poor, uh, some poor civilian, basically. Yes, it seems that way. Alright, um... Franklin is going to thank Tony for the assists uh, and assume that he can handle this, and he is going to get up, and uh, he's going to attempt to throw a fireball at the um, the harpy that is picking the guy up. Not an erupting sphere, just a regular fireball. Okay, uh, roll me damage, please. Okay. Or, sorry, first roll me an attack roll. Uh, my apologies. Uh, that is 15 altogether. Okay, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, roll me damage, please. Uh, what's a rank two ability damage wise? Uh, rank two ability would only be one d six damage. Uh, that's six damage. Oh, full damage. That's excellent. And uh, now the harpy has to make a reflex save to avoid being on fire. All right, excellent. So, uh, it is going to do exactly that, and uh, yeah. <laughs> It critically failed. Oh, it's oh. Two, two ones on a pair of 1d10s. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit is right. So, uh, yeah, there it, you throw this sphere open, overhanded like a baseball, and then there's a as it ignites, and suddenly you hear this shriek of pain as it is fully engulfed in flames and now uh, taking fire damage as a result of that attack. So it is just shrieking like it lets go of the guy and is now battering itself against nearby buildings in an attempt to just, like, it's a three-dimensional version of stop, drop, and roll, basically. So, yeah, it is looking pretty bad right now. So, after you do that, Franklin, then it uh, is going to go to Tony's turn. Okay. Um, so are any of the harpies within, say, 35 feet of each other? By um, I would say that the one that's directly in front of you and the one that uh, Adam uh, car crashed into the doorframe, the two of them are within 35 feet of each other. Okay. Um, yeah, so I will, uh, or Tony will, um, uh, just... Uh, like take out his um, uh, his bellows, uh -huh. aim carefully, and then launch a uh, ball of flaming hot uh, gas uh, into the middle of the air. So that's going to be a uh, rank seven area of effect power. So that's a okay. DC seventeen uh, reflex check to not take damage. Okay. Um. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Ty goes to the attacker. So that's you, Tony. Okay. Uh, so that's going to be... Uh, 
Uh, 21 damage each. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and uh, the cloud lingers for one round. Okay. Um, so, what happens is, uh, there is this sudden boof of flame as uh, the one that's on the ground is suddenly engulfed in flames and is shrieking and rolling around at high speed. The flames eventually go out, but it is struggling to get back up again, and it is just collapsing and twitching on the ground, completely unable to move. Meanwhile, the one that was engulfed in flames by you, uh, Tony, like the one directly in front of you, is also doing the same thing as it is just this flaming ball of feathers. Uh, come to think of it, all of the ones remaining in combat, they are all on fire, which is something. Um, But yeah, awesome job. And after you do that, Tony, then it's going to be the uh, giant star. So seeing all of this going on, he's just going to continue stomping towards you and standing over you, Tony, he rears back with one massive Um, Question, does he yes. move through that 35-foot sphere? Uh, that you just created? Yep. Uh, yes, he does. So, does he take damage from that? Yep, he does. How much? Well, let's see. Uh, less. Significantly less. Uh, 16 damage. Okay, so, um... Yeah, he's just wading through uh, the fire, uh, this flaming cloud, and he's like, has this maybe a bit of a grimace of discomfort, but at the same time, you're not sure how much it's affecting him. As he rears back with one massive fist and bellowing with rage, he brings it down directly towards you, Tony. So he is going to roll for his attack roll. Okay. And so that... Tony get a bet, some sort of, I, I don't know how size discrepancy works in this system, mm. but does Tony get a bonus for being smaller? Um, yeah, I, yes, he does gain a small bonus, and after doing the math, yeah, it's a very narrow hit, but it's still a hit. So, uh, yeah, the fist comes down on you, uh, Tony, you sidestep the attack, but at the same time, you are grazed by a few of the knuckles, and it still hurts because this thing is absolutely gigantic and monstrously strong, and you take, after armor, seven points of damage as a result of that. Okay. And and then it is going to go to... uh, Yeah, so, Quincy, what are you doing right now, exactly? I'm on my way back. (laughs) Okay, you've done whatever it is that you wanted to do. Yes. Okay. I will return next round with my things in tow. Excellent, okay. And so now it's the Harpy's turn. So the one that's still in the cloud, uh, what happens to it exactly, John? Takes damage again, I think. I believe it just takes damage again. Okay. Um, uh, the effect, uh, affecting any targets in the area normally during the additional round. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I will say you don't even have to damage as this thing literally had one hit point remaining so yeah it just collapses like it just shoots out of the cloud rolling across the ground like and just impacts the side of a car the sound of glass shattering as it just uh, falls to the ground just this uh, still smoldering and smoking bundle of feathers and uh the other one that franklin set on fire um yeah, for... uh, it takes the way that my fire works is that it takes damage at the beginning of each. Oh, at the beginning of each turn afterwards. Yes, exactly. And it just made a reflex saving throw to try and extinguish the flames. And yes, it was able to do so. So basically, uh, did I roll the damage for the the previous turns? Um, basically, how this uh, extra for the ability works is that it is a fixed amount of damage at the start of each of its turns. Ah, I a, see. Okay. A small amount, but still, it adds up. So, uh, yes, this, uh, yeah, this harpy actually, still flying around, actually plunges into the fountain in the middle of the plaza, and you can hear this enormous gout of steam coming up, like, as it is extinguished. Then it erupts out of the water, sending it flying everywhere, as it is going to streak towards you once again, Franklin, dead set upon avenging its previous humiliation. Hey, guess what? That means it's got to go into the cloud! It does? Yeah, okay. I'm standing next to Franklin, uh, to a Tony. Okay. Oh, wh- okay, where is this cloud situated? Because I'm having a problem in my mind picturing where the actual cloud is. Um, I will say it's relatively close-ish to the fountain. So I will say that if it sees the cloud and it realizes that Franklin is in there, it is going to hold back and it is going to try to um, 
yeah, I will say that it begins uh, flying over away from all of you, presumably realizing that all of its fellows have been downed. It's going to start uh, flying away, uh, fleeing from the scene of combat and looking for new targets to prey upon. And then it's going to go to Adam's turn. All right. Hmm. So the, the harpy that's on the ground next to me, is it out of commission or do I need to worry about that anymore? Um, it is out of commission. Okay, great. <sighs> yeah, this giant thing's uh, pretty gnarly. Yeah, well, the giant's still our priority. Hopefully, wherever the harpy ends up, it'll still encounter some trouble. Yes. There's only the one left, right? Uh, yeah, it looks like there's only... Uh, the harpy is flying away, and the giant seems to be the only target at the moment. Okay, um, so... How tall are the buildings in the, the surrounding this plaza? Pretty tall. You're guessing that they're maybe about 80 feet in height altogether. Okay. Um, I am going to use my uh, wall climbing ability, which mm. I also get from my vampire pact, um, mm. and run up one of the buildings <laughs> just okay. to get a better vantage point. So, uh, racing out of the building that you found yourself in, you streak up the side of one wall and immediately find yourself on the roof. Uh, getting a view of not only the giant but all of the surrounding London you can see that like there uh, in a nearby street uh, you can hear um, yeah the sounds of explosions and the street is being lit up with momentary gouts of fire as something is going on there in another part of the city you can hear like the shattering of glass and screaming as something else is going on uh, from a distance you can hear uh, yeah, a sound almost like a miniature whirlwind almost, and the sounds of shouting and maybe, like, um, yeah, the sounds of men, uh, shouting at each other and stuff like that. Like, L London is in the middle of a pure clusterfuck. Hmm. General mayhem. Yes, exactly. Okay, uh, a very small part in the back of Adam's mind is gonna say, bye-bye, hmm, budget cuts, and then he'll mm. tamp that down, because he's got... Try not to be too callous. Um, mm. Okay, so hmm, if he's if he's pretty high up. He's tall, taller than the giant at this point, right? You said eighty feet. Yes, that is correct. Okay, that's good. So I guess he'll get on the radio and say like and, and report this to the people on the ground. Uh, like uh, the giant isn't the only thing uh, in the streets. Uh, and um, he'll relay the other things: the whirlwind and the fire. So, when you say radio, um... Oh, right. You're right. I forgot. <laughs> we don't... Those you kinds try of the radio and then work. go, crap, right. Uh, I will say you pull the radio out, and then you click the button for a second, but nothing happens, and then you remember. Oops. Okay. Um, hmm. Now this is tricky, because I'm still fairly squishy. So, I could, I could get a, a pretty good hit in, but it might be the only hit that I get in if I'm not careful about this. Because I'm really only built for uh, melee combat, and that's about it. Um, let me think for a second. Okay. How hot is the cloud, would you say, John? Um, I, I, I have no idea. It's mechanically, like... Mechan but mechanically, what, what do you, like... I, I I don't know I don't know how to how to quantify uh, like five d six damage so um I believe it's uh I believe it's like um the equivalent of like a blazing desert or something like that uh no well no I, no that's a forge that. if, it can, if it can ignite things on fire it's got to be oh. much harder than that yeah totally for things to spontaneously ignite yeah we're talking like 300, 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Enough that why enough that's the reason why you have to be like immune to fire damage in order to stand in the cloud. Yeah. Mmm, roasted like a potato. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I guess, yeah, uh, I'm gonna try this, uh, even though it's a real risk. I'm just gonna go for it. Um, okay. And maybe use one of my newish abilities that I haven't had a chance to try out yet. Which is? Uh, well, let me ask this question. So the vampire ability, Vital Essence, lets me heal by drinking blood. Does yes. it also give me fangs? Or do I have to, to come bring my own, as it were? 
I will say that as a result of making a pact with a vampire, you can absolutely grow a pair of fangs. Oh, good. Are they retractable? <laughs> um, yes, they are. Because that's how that's how vampires can also like pass themselves off as human they are retractable that's how the vampire do hilarious all right well then i'm going to put the uh uh requisite point into that um okay. and then i suppose i'm going to line myself up with this giant maybe mm. not directly uh, in line with its its face but I guess I'm I'm over top of it. So if I yes. if I was to run and jump off this building, I'd, I would like to be able to land on its shoulder or something, or maybe close yes. to the back of its neck. Do you, yes. is, that, is that possible? That's possible. I will say that to switch your powers around would be either of movement or a standard action. And since you have used your I've movement used action, movement. you you okay. have used you've used some of it to get to the top of this building. You can use the remainder of your movement to get on top of the giant. Um. No, that's fine. I'll use a standard action to switch my power uh, or powers around, because uh, then, then I can put more points into other things as well. So uh, that'll sure. be it for me. Okay, so you uh, take a moment just watching the giant readying yourself, redistributing your mana pool, and feeling uh, just a slow-burning hunger begin to overtake you as your fangs begin to lengthen, and a desire to see warm, wet, blood ebbing out of this mountain of flesh before you it just becomes all that much more tangible and your anticipation begins to grow and yes. from yes and it is at this point at the end of your turn that we go back to the top of the turn order and the buzzing noises that you guys heard earlier intensify even further and a new figure uh, appears in the plaza coming out from a city street on the opposite side of all of you. It looks like this uh, floating ball of made entirely out of locusts that is just floating in midair and buzzing wildly. And there are like uh, rings surrounding it that are also made of locusts that are just revolving and spinning around it. And yeah, just this, uh, this sound of pure noise is just almost cacophonous as it is just seemingly floating in midair. But as it appears, you see that there are clouds that are splitting off of it of bugs that are beginning to peel away from it and about four clouds altogether are filling the plaza and they are beginning to zoom towards not only a few people that are still hiding on the ground but some of the broken windows that the giant has caused oh dear oh no it's a locust gyroscope <laughs> mm -hmm. hey everyone thanks for listening you can find us on tumblr at listen to these nerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listen to these nerds at gmail.com.